0: This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. That happened to the first church. Let's go to Acts chapter 6. And you're going to see here that the first church ran into a problem. It's really easy to romanticize the first church and think, well, the first century church, what did they do? And granted that the book of Acts is a pattern that we need to follow after. But it's also a reminder that uh, just like you and I, in a church community or let's just broaden this in a family or in a business or any type of groupings of people, there are going to be problems. And some stuff is simply going to be overlooked. And we want to work on that. We want to work on that. And that's what what the 12 uh, apostles did. And uh, that's what we want to do today. Starting in verse 1, it says, in those days... When the numbers of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews, among them, complained against the Hebraic Jews. Now, I want you to notice they're both Jews. Uh, They're just, they come from different worldviews. The Greek Jews spoke Greek, and they followed Hellenistic culture. In other words, a more contemporary culture. They were, in that day, considered modernized, so they spoke Greek. And then the Hebraic Jews are... The Hebrew, the Hebraic Jews spoke Aramaic and they were more orthodox. They followed more of the traditional uh, views of the Jewish people. But they were both Jews and they were both followers of Jesus Christ, following the Messiah. So here we continue to read read on in verse one. The Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked. Let's think about that word. They were being overlooked. It just happens. They were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. And so the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. And we will turn this responsibility over to them. And we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. Now, that statement might be the most miraculous statement in the Bible. <laughs> this proposal, I love that. They chose Stephen. I want you to notice, Stephen, you, you may not realize this, but that's a Greek name, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and also Philip. And they go on and name five other names, all Greek names. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands over them. So the word of God spread. The numbers of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Well, in the back of your bulletin is a chance for you to take notes. Because as Pastor David said, we're uh, going through the book of Acts. Just not verse by verse, but topic by topic. We know that the book of Acts is a model for how we should live our lives The normal way we should live our lives. And today, and you'll see there in the bulletin, our topic is this. Compassion is normal. Compassion is normal. It's the way we should live. After Acts chapter 2, or during Acts chapter 2, amazing things happened. The church was birthed. The Holy Spirit came down from heaven, fell upon the people. 3,000 people were saved in one day. Signs and wonders came to the church. The church's morale was at an all-time high. And when uh, things are happening, I mean, new people are coming, new ideas are spilling out, uh, new things are are occurring, and and it's exciting, and it's passionate, and it's easy for us to think, well, uh, for those who received the Holy Spirit the first time, and, and many of them who had actually physically seen Jesus, it must have been smooth sailing. But the truth is this, anytime you get people together, whether it's in your family, in your job, in this church, there's going to be problems. There's going to be problems. In your 242 group, someday there's going to be a problem. I hope not tonight. But someday there's going to be a problem. Why? Because people are people. And when people get together, conflict happens. But we're overcomers and we're not victims of conflict. We're going to overcome conflict. And that's exactly what happened here. This early church, this first century church, had their first problem occur in Acts chapter 6. Like I said, there were two groups of widows. And caring for widows was a very important part of their faith community. As it should be for ours. But let me tell you why it was a little different for them than us. For in that day, if you were a widow, you did not inherit your husband's uh, wealth. Or you did not inherit, get his inheritance. That went on to a brother. That went on to a male relative. And so you were greatly dependent upon Uh, the mercy of extended family, and therefore many times that would go to the church also. So the way widows were cared for, especially with life expectancy being much lower in those days and days of war, the the way widows were cared for was a huge social issue, not only in the church, but in the wider community. So so this was a huge issue. And from this huge issue, uh, a perceived prejudice was happening. The, the, those widows who were Jewish but were from a Greek background, they felt like they were being overlooked. And sometimes perception is ra- reality. We don't know if that was a reality, but that certainly was how they felt. And, and probably they had some kind of uh, a rivalry that was happening before they even became saved. And that's how it happens for us sometimes. We, we come into the church, we get saved, we come into a new church community, and there's energy at first. And And we don't realize that we carry with us some of our prior biases and our prior prejudices or our prior misconceptions. And unless we submit to the Holy Spirit, those things, they creep their ugly head up when we least expect it. So here they were. Some of them were being overlooked. uh, And I love how the 12 disciples decided, hey, this is a problem. We're going to deal with it. Now, growing up, we had a problem in our house that was a little surprising is that uh, we didn't have a garbage disposal at our house. And what made this just so maddening or or just so surprising is that my dad was a plumber. He had a good plumbing business. He worked hard, but it became a joke, even though he had a plumbing business and he, uh, I'm sure, installed many garbage disposals. Uh, we never had one installed in our house until years later. And, and once that was installed, we laughed about that for many, many years. How It's kind of like the uh, shoemaker's children without any shoes. You know, we just did not have that. And, and, you know, I've done that too. We've all done that. We've been experts outside of our house, but we haven't taken care of our own house. Now, I, I really have to watch that because, you know, I have people ask me for admi- advice about their marriage. but I've got to take care of my marriage. All right, I give family advice about how to raise your kids, you know, but I've got to apply that to my life and I have to raise my kids. Because here's, here's the truth is, sometimes it's easier to take care of someone else's house instead of taking care of your own house. Well, today we're talking about compassion and I want, want you to write down three words that are, that are gonna help define this passage. And the first word is this, the word start. The word start, because I wanna remind you today that if compassion is normal and it should be, We should live a life of compassion. Compassion starts in our house. It starts right here. It starts right here in our house and what we do. We read verse 1 again just to bring us further clarity. Go ahead and put that up. Verse 1. And again, it just says, in those days when the numbers of disciples were increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Think about uh, the dichotomy here. That here we have is the church was increasing. Momentum, baby, we're growing. We're adding people. We are moving forward. We're progressing. We're advancing. We got more people coming. Well, that's great. All except this group. Of Grecian Jewish widows who were hungry they were overlooked they weren't getting fed and I want this story by the spirit's design to be a reminder to us is that we have people in our church body we can't overlook we have people among us that as we're busy trying to advance and grow and adding new people and reaching the world we can't overlook them Now there's something that is part of our church. It's part of the heart of our church. And I believe it's one of the reasons God has called us to exist. We exist to know his love and to share his love. And Compassion Ministries is one of the primary reasons we exist. And so we do things like this afternoon. I see Ellen Spalding in here and Ellen and her team. For months now, they've been feeding Uh, monthly, they take a meal to the Sunder County Veterans Home in Gallatin. It's an old motel that the government has taken. and It's converted to a home for men, mostly men. I think they're all men who maybe their families can't take care of them. Some of them are disabled. And so they they live in these very humble, humble uh, conditions. And you know, a lot of churches, and and I thank God for this, they'll come feed them on the 4th of July or feed them on the Memorial Day, you know, kind of, hey, hey, we're taking care of the veterans kind of deal. I love this team because this team from our church, they go once a month. They even went in November and December uh, when it wasn't convenient during the holiday schedules. And so that, I always want that to be the heart of our church. See, I want great services here. I mean, I want our music to be great. I want our preaching to be great. I want... Our, our, um, the Spirit of God to touch lives here. But it's not just about the service. It's about our service outside these walls. That's why Compassion Ministries is so important. That's why we've done the last three years, and we'll do it again, the Thanksgiving blessing where we pass out. We give turkey and food to, to people at the Goodwill parking lot Just to give them a boost in their year, just to help them have a better holiday. We don't have a precondition that they have to visit our church, even though we want them to. But we know this is that when we give food in the name of Jesus, that we are operating in the spirit of Jesus. And we're telling them that church is not just about what happens in the service. Church is about God's love being manifested. And if it's in giving out a frozen turkey, that's the way we show compassion on the community. We show compassion, we try to honor honor our educators in the in the in system, in the public school system. Uh, internationally we support many ministries that feed the poor and feed orphans and run orphanages and, and we want to engage in that more that's the heartbeat of our church that's why we exist we don't just exist just to have great services even though I hope we have wonderful services we exist to take the gospel outside these walls to take the gospel and to, to people who, who may not come here first so we will go to them that's the heart of our church not just to know His love but to share his love too. But the Spirit's reminding us through this passage, keep doing that, but simultaneously, don't overlook those among you. Don't overlook those in your own midst. Don't overlook those in your own path. And God's been working this on me. And so we now go to the book of 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter five, because we're gonna see these layers go even more directly to the church. You see it starts in our family in our immediate family, and then compassion starts with our immediate family, and then it goes also to the church and then it goes to the world and The truth is this is that we could criticize our federal government, our state government for entitlement programs because they're they're wasteful and there's not enough accountability and and not to say those things aren't true, but any criticism of our government trying to show compassion through entitlements is really a criticism to us as a church. and It's a criticism to us as individuals because God has a plan. And God's plan is take care of your family and take care of your church and take care of the world. That's God's plan. Compassion. We're going to take compassion to the world, but we're going to start it in our house. We're going to start it right where God's called us to be. So we see here in First Timothy chapter 5, verse 3, it says, Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put the religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents. For this is pleasing to God. The widow who is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and ask God for help. But the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. Give the people these instructions so that no one may be open to blame. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Jesus was very clear to the Pharisees about this, who had neglected their parents because they wanted to, uh, they, they wanted to get religious credit For for their giving Not for their tithing But their giving beyond the tithe And and that they neglected their parents And, And I just think that the spirit is Reminding us through the scripture this morning Hey don't overlook What your responsibility is Take care Of the people in your life Maybe this week you can reflect on that And say God who am I overlooking Or what am I overlooking Sometimes we innocently overlook things and this is a good time just to remind you that as a pastoral staff and we have a hospital visitation team that we want to serve you and and we want to be there for you in crisis and we have a little theme and it goes like this if we know we go that's it If, if we know there's a need we go to the need Often I'll talk to some of you guys. I'll be, how have things been the last two weeks? And you'll say, well, I had a surgery. I was in a hospital a few days. And that's your right. And that's your prerogative not to inform us, uh, your adults and all that. But but I just want you to know is that, that we're not omniscient, meaning we're not all knowing. And, and I'm sure the spirit could tell us, yeah, yeah, this person's sick or that person's sick. But most of the time we find out through email or through the telephone. And if we know, we go because we want to serve you. Recently, someone Someone uh, called me, a friend of mine that goes to this church, and she said, do we have anyone who, who can go visit in the prison? And I said, I can. <laughs> I'm able to. I, I don't know if I can do that every week or can't do it forever, but she, give me the name. And I went and visited her friend. So I say that, that it's a partnership. It's, it's a heart. It's working together so we can know how, how can we serve better and, and how can we touch lives and how can we make sure people aren't getting overlooked? And the Lord wants us all to work together. You see, you you, you hear music and um, no doubt that, that musicians bring such a talent with their instrument. And, and I love uh, to hear a single instrument and the art and craft behind a great guitarist or a great violinist. But let's say you, you are, someone is a tremendous violinist. And they, they play so well. But if they play with a symphony or with a band where no one has prepared and there's no conductor and everybody's just up there playing what they want, it doesn't matter how talented that individual is, it's going to sound bad. And so it is, I think, that with us sometimes that we forget that, that in order for us as a group of people to reflect the beauty of the Lord and to be everything he has. We, we have to follow a conductor named Jesus Christ. We've got to follow one guy and he wants us to be in harmony. I mean, there's such a, a, a beautiful sound when music is in harmony. It's more powerful than, than just an individual. But, and, it's, and it's very unappealing when multiple instruments are not in harmony. But when voices and instruments are in harmony... Oh, what a power that is. Because everybody is in sync with one another. And that's the second word I want you to write down is the word sync. It's a word that computer technology has, has taken from us a little bit, or iTunes has a little bit. But uh, it, it's a shortening version of the word synchronize, which means to harmonize, to sound together correctly, to complement one another And I see in this passage, that's exactly what's happening. I love how the disciples had this ability to identify a problem, but then to solve the problem. They didn't have the arrogant attitude that sometimes we have in churches or even in businesses that says, oh, well, the, the Greek Jewish widows are getting overlooked. Well, get over it. Do you see how much we're growing right now? I mean, I've got 3,000 people on the day of Pentecost that sure didn't mind that. Uh, we got people, we're, we're growing right now. Who cares what they think? That is an incorrect attitude we can have in any area of life. Because for those widows who were hungry, it mattered. For those widows who weren't getting the food, or at least perceiving they were getting the food that they needed, it mattered. So when everyone got in sync, something something powerful happened. They got on the solution side of the problem. Let's go to verse two and look at that again. It says, so the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. In those days, in the first century, all business was done on tables. So so when they said wait on tables, they meant uh, just organizational business. They're like like administration. They said it wouldn't be right for us to neglect the word and to neglect prayer simply for administration. I love this uh, because they identified the problem, the leadership did, and they got on the solution side of the problem, but they didn't panic. They didn't say, hey, hey, I'm one of the 12 disciples, and because of that, I'm going to make sure that no... Grecian Jewish widow ever gets overlooked again because I'm taking charge now and, um, and this will never happen again. Well, you know, instead of panicking and responding that way, they kept their priorities and said, listen, it would not be right of us to neglect what God's called us to do and neglect the priority of the word, but let's solve the problem. Let's work on it. Let's fix this thing. Let's figure out what the issue is and get the problem solved. So I'm going on to verse 3. It says, brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. Uh, No, they didn't say, uh, get seven men among you who are talented and let's hope they get full of God's Spirit and get wise. No, they said, let's find the people who are already full of God's Spirit and who are already wise and then, and then, uh, moving on, it says, uh, "Who are uh, we will turn this responsibility over to them. This is delegation, and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word." This proposal pleased the whole group, those inspired words of God there in verse 5. And they chose Stephen. Now, I already mentioned this. Uh, That's a Greek name who is full of faith in the Holy Spirit. And then you can read the other five names there. Uh, Those are Greek names too. This just made a lot of sense. If the Grecian Jewish widows were complaining, wouldn't it make sense to choose the Grecian Jewish believers to solve the problem this was wisdom here this was uh uh, them uh meeting the need in a practical way solving the problem and i just want to say this for us to get in sync for us to get on the same page can you just help me solve problems around here right now uh i don't really know what all those problems are i don't have a whole list of those problems you probably know what the problems are before I do. Uh, in the first service this morning, uh, during worship, I just walked out and went out and walked in the parking lot. Because I noticed that I had never been in the parking lot, or at least in, in three, three years, had not been in the parking lot. I don't know what happens in the parking lot while we're having service. Okay, I wanted to go see what was going on. The, so it's very likely that if there was a problem in the parking lot, I would never discover it, but you would know it. Okay. well, can I just say this? I have a great alternative instead of complaining, instead of criticizing, instead of uh, wondering why no one's doing something about it. Why don't you get on the solution side? Let's work on it. Let's solve the problem. Let's be like the apostles who said, we've got a problem. Let's gather the people up and let's make a good decision. Let's, let's assign the right people to do the right job to get the solution accomplished. And at the same time, we're not going to lose our priorities. Our priorities are the word of God and prayer. It's all about people using their gifts. You see, one of the things we learn from this scripture is, is something that, that not all of us will accept, but I hope you do is that the more the church grows and the more an organization grows and the more a school grows, whatever it is, the more rules that there's going to be. Sometimes that feels counterintuitive. What do you mean? There's more rules. The more people that are involved, then the more structure there's needed. And so as we grow as a church, things do change. The more people we have, the more keys. Excuse me. The more people. Let me rephrase that. The more people we have, the less keys we give out to the church. So instead of saying, "Hey, can I uh, use a, can I use a room at the church like you know tomorrow afternoon?" Well, we we can't do that anymore. We have to plan ahead. Because everything affects every. There's more people involved. There's more organization. You might say, well, the worship team, we used to not practice this much. I, mean, I remember back in the days where we'd just meet before church and just, you know, practice for 30 minutes. And, it, it, you know, that's all we did. Well, that was then. Things have changed. Things are more complex now. They're, we're growing. There, there, there's, there's more required of you now. There's more we have to do. You might say, well, I used to just show up at church and um, I'd grab a bucket and be an usher. Well, well Things have changed now. We need you here 15 minutes early. We need to hear 20 minutes early. We need to, to know what's going on in service. We need to know what the assignment is. See, that principle applies to everything in life. That the more you advance, the more you have to be organized. And we see this happening in a local church. This is not just just uh, a core I'm not just spewing out like like corporate principles here. That this happened in the local church. That that as they grew and as they advanced, they had to get more organized, and they had to work on it, and they had to put the right people in the right position. They had, for everyone, had to be in sync. So God would be glorified, and Jesus, Jesus' name would be lifted high. So we see clearly that there's two, two priorities in this passage is the ministry of the word and meeting people's physical needs. They were clear. They were focused on that. We're going to minister the word of God and spread it, and we're going to meet people's physical needs. So they laid hands, when they laid hands on the seven, They didn't do so so that they would receive the Holy Spirit because they already were full of the Holy Spirit. We learned that in verse 3. We learned that in verse 5. But they followed this tradition that had been around since Moses. So it's a biblical mandate that when you set leaders apart, you lay hands on them and you're saying, we're setting you apart. But we are now transferring upon you responsibility. All right? This is not just an empty ceremony uh, just to, to make you feel intrinsically good or to give you earthly glory or earthly power. We're laying hands upon you publicly to say, now it's on you. You're responsible. You are the one that God is giving by the spirit is giving this responsibility. You are to see you're publicly being set apart. Make sure those Grecian Jewish widows get fed. It's your responsibility. We have worked on it. We have solved the problem. We're, on, we're in sync. Everybody is using their giftedness. Everyone is using their giftedness for something powerful. You see, we know this, that teamwork always beats talent every time. Teamwork always beats talent. You know, it's, it's true that, that unity overcomes deficiencies. Our teamwork, our unity... Being in sync, letting everybody use their gifts are the things that are gonna make make our church powerful for God. And that's what we want to do. That's what we want to be. We want to be powerful because here's the last word I want you to write down. It's the word spread. And I love verse seven. Man, this is why we're here today. Verse 7. Let's read it together. So the word of God spread. <laughs> I love this. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of priests, being Jewish priests, became obedient to the faith. They gave their life to Jesus. So the word of God spread, and the numbers of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. You see, a word that means a lot to me in the last couple of years and these days is the word alignment. If we can all get in alignment friction then is reduced and we can move with more fluidity you see if you ever had any kind of back problem you know when your back's not aligned maybe some of you are dealing with that this morning you're not as fast as you're supposed to be you don't move as fluidly as God wants you to when things aren't in alignment there's more friction but when everyone says this is what God's called me to do and this is what God, how he's called me to do it. And I, we're, we're in alignment behind one leader named Jesus Christ. And we're listening to his heart. And we're following his heartbeat. And we're going forward. Then something incredible is going to happen. The word of God is going to spread. And let's make no mistake, that's why one of the primary reasons we exist. The word of God spreads. The word of God spreads when we show compassion. The word of God spreads when we start compassion in our home. We start compassion in our house. And as we grow and as we spread, man, as as things happen, as we get synced up, as we get aligned, we're gonna see rapid growth. And I just wanna tell you, there is a day coming for rapid growth for this church. And it's going to happen. There's just no doubt about it. And there'll be a day when, when you think, man, I remember when I could get a seat in the 1045 service. Because this place is going to be full at 10 till. So if you come at five after, sorry. Why? Because the word of God's going to spread rapidly. That day's coming. And it happens. It happens out of compassion. That day's coming. But you see, it's coming when we're in sync. It's coming. It's coming when you start where you're at. Because God wants to use you. Let's pray about this for a second. God's given you a gift and God's given you a talent. God's given you an opportunity. And I want you to hear, I want you to hear this phrase now. It's very carefully worded. So when you listen with your spirit, the word of God won't spread as it should through this body until you get involved. The word of God won't spread as it should through this body until you get in the game. Because God has gifted you and He is calling you. He's calling you in compassion. In recent months, I went to a funeral that was out of state. And I, I wasn't involved in preaching or speaking, but when I showed up at this unusual, uh, this, this uh, different funeral home I'd never been before, I noticed a, a man in a suit, get out. He looked like a preacher. I talked to him and he was. Uh, found out that he was preaching the funeral, but he didn't know anybody. He didn't know anybody who was gonna be there. And what had happened is there was an elderly lady who had, had not been able to go to church for a significant period of time. And when they called her home church, the very church that she had served, if my dates are correct, she passed away on a Friday. They were hoping to have the funeral on a Monday or Tuesday. And the church where she had once served and contributed, they responded to the family and they said, no one's available until next Friday. So this family had to go find a pastor they had never met. And the pastor, he was a pastor, the the fill in pastor was a pastor of a significant church. But he said, I told my staff, if we're too busy to serve a family and show compassion when that family's hurting, then we've lost our heart. We've lost our heart. And so that man comforted that family and he preached to that funeral and he loved that family. When there was another church that was just too busy. So we're going to grow, guys. There's coming a different day here, but let's never lose our heart. Let's never lose our heart. And it starts with, let's not overlook somebody. So is there anyone you're overlooking? You see, maybe somebody needs a phone call that hasn't been at church in a few weeks from someone besides Aaron. Maybe your phone call is gonna be more than my phone call. Maybe your email or note, when someone is sick or ill, it's going to mean something to someone else that that a full-time staff member, lost their job, but maybe it, your love is going to make a difference. Let's not overlook people, because that's the heart of God. That's the heart of God. What's it to be the heart of our church? Thank you for listening to the podcast of The Church of Indian Lake.